considering Charlotte is a series that uh, five different people and I, these five within the United Methodist Church, have started up to try and spread good information as relates to the General Conference meeting in Charlotte this April. It's going to be a very big time. It's a delayed annual conference. The whole conference hasn't gotten together in a plenary session and an open floor like this since 2016. And there is a lot of petitions to be considered. There's a lot of work to be done. The denomination is pushing very hard a regionalization plan associated with the Christmas Covenant and the Connectional Table. And we've been talking about that already. We started last week, and you might go back and watch that episode. Uh, this episode, we're going to be fielding some questions, and then we're going to be deferring to Odell, who's only with us every other week. And then Lonnie, out of his expertise, and Simon, out of his, is going to be filling out uh, what what they can. And then I see it as my job as mediator to just sift through the information and do my best to represent just normal people and the questions that they might have. Uh, before I get in on today's question, just want to make sure everybody knows uh, Lonnie Brooks is in Alaska, and he's joining us as a veteran uh, member of General Conference. He's written many petitions. Odell Horn is Georgian, uh, joining us from North Georgia Annual Conference. He's been the head of their United Methodist Men there. He's been active in General Conference proceedings and uh, is, is well-read enough to represent the African United Methodist, uh, African-American United Methodist uh, cont contingency, not as a monolith exactly, but as a tradition that, that he's very familiar with. And then Simon is joining us from Zimbabwe on the other side of the world. Uh, he's the head of the WCA there and was on the Standing Committee for Central Conference Matters until they booted him off under questionable circumstances. But he still knows a lot. He has a, a ton of insight. Uh, these have been riveting conversations. You should go back and see all of them, in my opinion. But we're going to pick up on where we left off last week. Um, there were a few questions submitted, and then I had some questions. I just wanted to field them to you guys. One of the recurring things that I see coming from different corners is a concern that petitions being submitted uh, to the General Conference that were submitted by people who have since left the General Conference, that they might be removed from consideration. There are serious voices. I saw that Gary Graves in an article or in a response indicated that this would or could be done. Lonnie, you've been quite firm in saying that the hurdles to doing this would be too great. They have no standing, no precedent to do this. There's almost zero chance that they could do this. Uh, would you would you speak to that, Lonnie, and then I'll see if Simon and Odell want to add any texture. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Yes, I could speak to that. Uh, as far as I can see, and within my uh, having spent a lot of time with the law of the church, I don't see any foundation for uh, taking such an action. I, I believe that a petition that is submitted uh, and uh, is in order and the person who submitted it was at the time of submission uh, qualified to, uh, to make such a submission uh, is going to be uh, become upon its acceptance and especially after its uh, inclusion in the Advanced Daily uh, Christian Advocate, uh, it's going to become the property of the General Conference, not of the person who submitted it. Uh, and so all those petitions that are, that are in the ADCA belong to the General Conference and no longer belong to the person who submitted it. So that person can't withdraw it, and the General Conference can't reject it on the basis of a subsequent event in the life of the person who submitted it. For example, uh, the, uh, the, the petition that's in there 
for us to adopt a new statement of ecclesiology. That was submitted by Scott Jones. Uh, now, mind you, he submitted it on behalf of the, of the uh, Committee on Faith and Order that he chaired at the time, uh, and uh, became the property for consideration of the, uh, of the entire General Conference. However, Scott has subsequently withdrawn from the United Methodist Church and now is a member of, in effect, a bishop in the Global Methodist Church. But that doesn't disqualify that petition, uh, and there's no ground on which anybody could say uh, that it's, it's no longer part of the, what we're going to deal with at the General Conference. Uh, in the same way, a delegate, or not just a United Methodist, doesn't have to be a delegate, a United Methodist who submitted a petition and died since it happened. Well, that person no longer a United Methodist. You can't disallow the consideration of that petition. Uh, and so uh, I don't think any other action that a person could take would disqualify uh, the work that he or she did prior to whatever that event was. Uh, th those petitions are still going to have to be considered. Odell or Simon, anything to add to that? I think Lonnie has done a fair job on that one. That is my understanding. All petitions accepted by the uh, petition secretary or the system, they are already in the ADCA. They are the property of the general conference. No one has got the power to withdraw them. Uh, uh, it's like you are saying, uh, if you were a Methodist uh, at a certain particular time, then eventually you, you withdrew. Are you going also to, to withdraw all the tithe that you paid to the church when you are still a member? I, I don't seem to understand that. It means all your contributions, your monies that you paid, you must go with it because you are no longer... It doesn't make any sense to me. And if they are going to do that, I guess it will need the action of the General Conference. And it will kill a lot of the time of the General Conference trying to, to, to come to an understanding on that one. So I, I think they are trying to... To, 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 to go to some uncharted waters which you create or open a can of worms. I, I don't think they have any standing to do that. So thank you, Lonnie. I think you dealt with that one very fairly. I was very concerned about the issue that you raised where one person submits on behalf of a group. The name that appears is my name, but I'm rep representing a group. Then I then die or I withdraw from the denomination. How then do you deal with that? I, I think that creates a serious problem. So, thank you, Lonnie. I did you deal with that fairly. Thank you, Jeff. I think we answered that one pretty good. It'll be very strange if Lonnie and Simon are both wrong. So, I think you can take that to the bank. Let's go on to the next question. Um, something you said in the last episode, Lonnie, that was lost on me. Uh, we, we were talking about it in a follow-up. The way you summed it up is the Judicial Council is very skeptical of adaptations that central conferences have made to the Book of Discipline. Many adaptations that central conferences have made have gone unchallenged and, and have effectively been made, but of every single challenge that has come to a central conference adaptation to the Book of Discipline, every single one that's come to the Judicial Council, the Judicial Council has then uh, canceled out the adaptation. They are not in favor, in favor generally, well, uniformly so far, of any adaptations. Did I, did I sum that up correctly, Lonnie? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
Yeah, there, there have been no adaptations that have been made by Central Conference to the Book of Discipline in which the challenge has, has, has been made by somebody involved in the process all the way to the Judicial Council. Now, the reason why this matters, approved. if in the context of regionalization, regionalization is the notion that uh, we can kind of uh, separate different continents or regions of the United Methodist Church to be less accountable to one another, to be able to tailor the Book of Discipline to the contextual needs of those regions, and then share in the Constitution and some other things that still bind them together, but, but be able to, to, to custom fit the UMC a little bit more regionally. People like me have, have looked at the current situation and said there's already provision for um, uh, different regions, different annual or central conferences to amend, a adapt the Book of Discipline for local ministry. Is this really a need? Is regionalization really a need? Because it seems to me and, and many others that, that this already happens. This is already the case. It's not really needed. So, Lonnie, in light of this clarity that you've given on this topic, what, what's the practical implication of, of this disposition of the Judicial Council? If the Judicial Council is anything, it's somewhat unpredictable. <laughs> We, we can't really say with certainty what the Judicial, judicial Council is going to do with any particular issue. Uh, we do know that every time a, an adaptation has been uh, appealed in the past uh, to the Judicial Council, it's been rejected. And that's happened what, one, two, three, that's happened six times. Uh, and now, mind you, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it is significant when you think that it means every time the Judicial Council has reviewed one of these things, it's rejected them. So, so there does seem to be a trend there which suggests that the Judicial Council is very skeptical of adaptations of the Book of Discipline uh, within these regions. Uh, whether that continues uh, into the future, if the church were to take a, a step as serious as saying regionalization is going to be the way of the future for the church, uh, if the Judicial Council were to go against that trend uh, in the same way that it has in the past, uh, uh, that would be uh, a, a very serious thing uh, for, for the church to have done. We don't know, uh, because we don't have a crystal ball, uh, whether that would be the case, but uh, there's, there's some possibility that it would be. Hmm. Um, Odell, Simon, anything to add? Okay. Oh, Simon, you look like you have something. Go ahead. Yes. I, I wanted to just to add that um, for, for some of us coming from uh, central conferences, especially those who are not happy with, the, with, with regionalization, these are, these are some of the issues. It means regionalization is not offering anything new to, to central conferences. Because in terms of adaptation, it has been offered but always uh, consistently rejected. Maybe Lon is right to say it's not uh, a big number of petitions, but at least it's significant to give a sample of what people try to ask for, but it was rejected. So what is it? What, what has changed? What is it in it now for people to say, oh, yes, oh, yes, now it's going to change, adaptations will be done, uh, we've got nothing to really prove that it's going to be much better 
if the next dispensation, if regionalization passes. But those are the questions some of us will ask and uh, fail to get answers. So, so yeah, it's, it's an issue there. Okay, uh, another follow-up just really quickly was we had been curious about the source of petitions to General Conference. And uh, Lonnie actually went through and combed through. I don't know if you somehow manually did this, brother, or not, but there were a total of like 1,100 petitions submitted to General Conference. And he figured out the source of each one. And the number one source of petitions has been individuals. Individual United Methodists submitted 521 petitions, and that represents 47.4% uh, of the, all total petitions submitted. The next largest group was the general agencies that provided 347. So that's 521 versus 347. That's a pretty big margin. And that's a little over 30% of the total petitions. And then after that is annual conferences of 127 um, uh, uh, petitions. So I'm going to have an overlay for that whenever we uh, publish this. But uh, Lonnie sent out an email with that whole breakdown. There were, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 different sources possible. Uh, this is encouraging for someone like me. It looks like it's an actual democratic process where at least individual people, their voices can get heard and considered. So uh, that was a surprise to me. Um, that wasn't exactly a question, but I knew we needed to report on that. The question I did have was um, when we're looking at regionalization, the, the favored plan is presented partly by the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters. The Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters is essentially the, the, the one central point that all legislation has to go through before it's presented uh, to the floor of general conference and plenary. I, I just wanted to ask a broad question to you guys. Do you think that this is an appropriate role for the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters? Do you think that this is a, a balanced and good thing? Or um, it, it seemed to me that general conference has only recently operated in this way and that that this is not really a good thing, that this is a very imbalanced approach that provides for much um, manipulation of the content that comes before the floor of general conference. And the reason I say that is I tried to start getting a hold of records from the deliberations of, of that committee from the last time that they got together or times along the way. They don't reveal any of that stuff publicly at all. And so um, the fact that such influential decisions are made and that there is no transparency there would makes me and my sensibilities quite leery. But I wonder, um, I, I guess I'd like to start with Odell. Lonnie, I know your thoughts. And then Simon, you were on the committee, but I want to start with Odell anyway and then go to Simon. So, uh, Odell, do you have any thoughts on that? I really do feel like I am not um, an expert on the, the, the what is it, the Committee on Central Conference Affairs? St Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters. But that's, that's okay. We can go to Simon. Simon, you know pretty much everything about it. Simon, what are your thoughts on, on that committee and its work in the General Conference? Uh, th th thank you, Jeff. Uh, my take is this. Uh, first and foremost, I understand that the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters 
It's like a working uh, committee in between the sessions of general conference. They are given special assignments, uh, especially as they relate to conferences, and uh, they then look at them and then come and uh, give petitions and presentations to the, to the general conference. So in terms of all other petitions, yes, we know that many petitions are allocated to legislative committees and those that relate to conferences they go to the conferences legislative committee and it goes on like that in terms of the central conference standing committee on its own it works on special matters that refers to conferences within the central conferences so they are pulled out of the other uh, uh, legislative committees if they relate to the standing committee and they then do those special announcements and they are given then the opportunity to go straight to the plenary and not having to go to the legislative committees again and in that case uh, um, that's how it is it has been working uh, their work is kind of secretive they don't publish everything until they go back to report on the floor of the general conference that uh, that's how it is it has been working and my, my biggest problem was the imbalance in terms of the representation, which we were trying to work on uh, since 2016. If you go back to 2012, I think almost 60 or 70 percent of the members in that committee, more than 36 people, were Americans and not people from the central, uh, from the central conferences. That was the starting point of the imbalance. Then, of course, we were working toward, uh, on that. And in 2016, the representation uh, started to change and I was hoping that it was going to change again if they are going to, if you are going to maintain the standing committee of central conference matters. But yeah, there are challenges that need to, to continue to be sorted out uh, in terms of how those petitions are, are, are sorted out within that committee alone and it goes straight to the, to, the, to the general conference floor. Unlike other petitions that are sorted out in the legislative committees before they can find their way to the uh, uh, plenary session so so yeah there are some areas that need some gray areas that need to be to be sorted out within that standing committee of Central conference matters thank you jeff lonnie any additional analysis with respect to the standing committee on central conference matters i'd just like to uh, emphasize one thing that simon said there which is was extremely important uh, make sure it doesn't get lost uh, the the power of the central uh, the standing committee on central conference matters in my judgment rests in its authority to send its material regardless of what the source of it was as long as it relates to central conferences directly to the general conference itself uh, and, in, and in fact a, a remedy in in my judgment to the to the biggest problem here with that uh, with that system and, and mind you my my feeling is that the root here is the old adage from Lord Acton that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, the, the power over this legislation of a, a direct line to the general conference is where the, the real problem exists in my judgment. And we've got a petition from my friend Stephanie Deckard Henry, who serves as a member of the Commission on the General Conference. Uh, she's proposing that we change that and uh, require that petitions that are referred to and go through 
the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters then are referred back to the most appropriate legislative committee and then to the floor of the, of the General Conference. I think that would be a, a better way to handle that uh, and reduce some of this, uh, this power that I think inappropriately has been given to that Standing Committee. Yeah, it's just strange how these power dynamics can shift in, in such a well-established body over time. And it's hard to know how much of that is personality and then how much of that is priority. Uh, there are so many things going on behind the scenes that I don't understand. But it, it, it has seemed strange to me that that one committee that would have seemed co-equal with perhaps many others has really ascended to a place of preeminence over all the rest. Um, We've 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 spent good time on this. I had one more question, but that if it's super important, we can address next week because we'll have uh, Amy Barker Valdez with us and um, we'll be talking about regionalization again. So let's go ahead and defer to Odell. Odell, I know you've been diving into a lot of this, uh, the petition, the, the specific petitions submitted as uh, respecting regionalization. And would you lead us through? what you're thinking about, what you're seeing, and, and uh, maybe we can figure some important stuff out together. All right. I want to ask uh, Lonnie some questions concerning the legislation on regionalization. And I want to start with his petition to create a central conference in the United States, which is petition numbers 20671. What was your uh, motivation, Lonnie, in creating a central conference? And to me, that just seems like the, the logical step as opposed to creating a regional conference, which is another layer of administration in between the jurisdictional conference and the general conference. So explain to me what you were thinking and, and what how you're what you're thinking now about that legislation that you offered. My thinking at the time of submission, and that was a long time ago, mind you, that was <laughs> I submitted that. Uh, I think it was uh, might have even been in 2018, but certainly was uh, no later than 2019 for consideration at the 2020 General Conference. And uh, at that time, uh, I wanted to give the General Conference a second chance to look at the petition that was submitted by the combination of the delegations of North Texas and Central Texas to create this U.S. Central Conference. Uh, for the purpose of giving the United States Church a forum for consideration of matters pertaining to the United States that didn't really have all that much impact on uh, the church outside the United States. Uh, since then, my thinking has, has significantly changed about that uh, so that I no longer support that as a concept. It did not, by the way, uh, get away from the problem uh, totally of having another layer of church uh, in, in the North American uh, setting uh, as opposed to the rest of the church because it did not do away with uh, jurisd jurisdictional conferences. It just added this uh, regional conference for the, uh, uh, the central conference actually for the United States. It, it didn't change the name to regional conference, it left the name central conference of the USA. Now, mind you, uh, the petition did not call for a lot of structure, that is to say, a, a, a staff and uh, uh, any additional expense, although it, it sort of left the door open for the possibility that such a thing could happen, that could happen, uh, which means that 
uh, it was flawed in that manner as well, in my judgment, looking back on it now. So uh, I no longer support that as, as the right way to go. So then I need a, I have a clarifying question for Simon, because in the United States, we only have jurisdictional conferences. So explain to me, Simon, what's the concept? How do central conferences work in, in Africa? Uh, th th thank you, Odell. Uh, Central conferences in Africa, they, they work almost exactly as the jurisdictions do in America. They have the mandate to, to elect bishops, assign bishops. They have the mandate to uh, 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 you know, approve uh, 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 boundaries for uh, annual conferences, of course, and then they will get ratified by the general conference, uh, if my memory serves me well. So, so that kind of uh, uh, operations plus plus or minus the same. But my question then was, where, how then do we have a jurisdictional conference somewhere in between, in the United States, and when in central conferences we don't have another layer? Uh, how does that work, and why that dif that, that difference? Those are the questions that we are challenging in terms of regionalization, because it gives three layers of church in the states, or four layers, sorry, four layers of church in the states, and only three layers in in uh, in central conferences. And we believe I, that those could be political uh, power and control issues. No one is answering us on those issues. Thank you. Okay. I hope I, I explained uh, my understanding well. You did, and now I got a whole lot of questions. Uh, let me, I don't understand the obsession with regionalization if it's going to add another layer of administration, but going to leave, and this is directed to Lonnie, if it's going to leave the jurisdictional conferences in place, and we're just adding the regional conferences on top of that, why not just create one U.S. regional conference and get rid of the jurisdictional conferences. I believe that's a flaw in the, it's a significant flaw. In fact, I call it a fatal flaw in the proposal that's coming to us that's uh, roughly known as the, the Christmas Covenant. Mind you, it's submitted by the combination of the uh, connectional table and the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters, but still the Christmas Covenant. Uh, strangely enough, uh, both petitions are before us, both sets of petitions, they're, uh, but it's essentially the same thing in two different uh, uh, submissions. Uh, and, and the flaw there, uh, as I say, is that, uh, fatally in fact, th that we've, we've got the, the extra layer of church in that proposal any way you look at it. Uh, it what you may find interesting here is, I find it really interesting and um, problematic at the same time. Uh, in Alaska, we took a look at that and we said, that's that's not uh, the, the right way to do this. If we're going to regionalize, we need to, to do it in such a way that we don't have this extra layer of church, which means uh, if there's going to be a regional conference in the in the United States, it needs to be instead of the jurisdictional system. Uh, 
but the, the, there was an, a, an additional thing we looked at and said, uh, the problem that we're trying to deal with here is uh, to, how do we uh, how do we make adjustments for the 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 separation of the church that has happened and have a, a system that will have a strong likelihood of not uh, leading to a, an additional separation going into the future. And our solution to that was to say, well, that uh, that calls for regionalizing within North America, not just uh, regionalize the whole thing. And so what what we proposed was to replace the jurisdictional system with the regional conference uh, in North America, as well as the rest of the world. We, each of the central conferences would become a regional conference. But in North America, we would create three regional conferences to replace the five jurisdictions. Why, and, though? Why why not just make one regional conference? Because it's the regional differences within North America that have led to the separation of the church. So if you want to solve the problem of the church separating, you have to deal with those differences as well as... The, the, I don't know anybody who thinks that the regional differences between Africa and North America was what has led to the separation of the church in North America. But what what does the cause of separation have to do with where the regional boundaries should be drawn? Because like I'm clear that there are probably huge regional differences between uh, Northwestern Africa, Southern Africa, and Central Africa. Uh, to to lump them all together in one region seems uh, strange. If... No, they're not. Each they're... central conference is, 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 becomes a regional conference in Africa, and there are three of them. Oh, I, I misunderstood this. I thought there was – okay, so – okay. Then never the mind. Who, the whole thing makes the, sense the, now. The folks who proposed it didn't understand it either. Some of the explanatory materials that came out, uh, they said, well, gonna, there's going to be a regional conference in Africa. Well, that's not true. What's proposed in the Christmas Covenant is there are going to be three regional conferences in Africa, three regional conferences in Europe, one regional conference in Philippines, and one in North America. Thank you. I'm so glad I I needed I needed to ask that flat question. I needed to hear a flat answer. Very good, Lonnie. Thank you. Yeah. I have a couple more questions, uh, and I'm going to direct this to uh, Simon uh, because there are as Lonnie alluded to, there are three central conferences in Africa right now. First of all, let me, let me, before, let me put that on the shelf. Let me go back to Lonnie. What's the obsession, Lonnie, with regional conferences as opposed to what we already have, which are central conferences? How come we just can't do three central conferences in the United States or one central conference in the United States? Why does, why do we need regionalization as the language because when we, you know, this is legislative. So when we get into these petitions, we're going to be arguing over words. Why do we need the word regional as opposed to central? The strongest argument that I've heard on that uh, is, is a historical one, which is to say that the, the term central conference has uh, been linked in, in thinking in, in mental processes with the old language of central jurisdiction and the link that had to slavery 
and Jim Crow and all kinds of negative racial uh, problems, uh, primarily uh, within the United States, but having spillover into uh, the rest of the church around the world. So it's a matter of cleaning up language is, is all the that I understand uh, the motivation behind changing from the name central to regional in con because the concept is the same. Uh, just real quickly, if if we kept the word central, would we have to have all these constitutional amendments or would it potentially like streamline things and make it a lot easier to, to get through legislatively? There would be some of those amendments that would go away if we kept the language central rather than regional, but not all of them, because part part of the, uh, the emphasis here in amending the Constitution in the massive way that it's done is to... Uh, uh, Put within the Constitution more of the power for adaptation of the language of the Book of Discipline to give a constitutional base. So it would be more difficult for the Judicial Council to strike down these adaptations by having changed the Constitution. And can I just chime in there? Uh, 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 Odell, you raised a very, very interesting question. And uh, I agree with Lonnie that that has been the strongest argument I've heard. And it then generates another question. And I was going to say, is this not tantamount to taking Israelites out of Egypt and not taking Egypt out of the Israelites? Because as long as long as you leave, as long as you leave the jurisdictions there, I'm not in the best place to argue about jurisdictions, but my little history tells me that jurisdictions on their own They've got another some colonial connotations that they have. So okay. if we leave that name there, it means we haven't done anything. We have not uh, taken the Egypt out of the Israelites, so we haven't solved anything. That, that's that's my argument. Thank you, thank you, Simon. This is as for full disclosure, everyone. I have a master's degree in African and African American studies from Clark Atlanta University, which is a historically black university. If you change language but you don't change the system. You haven't defeated systematic racism. You've only uh, shifted, you've only adjusted, you put lipstick on a pig. And so the 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 problem that I have, and I'm gonna refer this back, thank you, Simon uh, Talani, is if we go back to 1939 when the jurisdictional system was created, we took away the central jurisdiction in 1968, as a result of the merger that formed the United Methodist Church, we have this opportunity now to remake the United Methodist Church into our own image and likeness. And the answer is regional conferences. And we're not going to do away with this vestige of, of colonialism and slavery. We're going to leave the jurisdictional system. I have some questions. Uh, and this is the critical race theory in me. We're, we're not changing the system. We're gonna leave it in. We're gonna add another legislation. I, I just don't understand. Help me understand what the connectional table is doing. I, I just help. Well, it, the, the implications of the line of questioning that you took it in uh, lead it to kind of, I mean, we need an apologist for the institution here, for the the petition here, because it, it is really hard, I think, for any of us to spin this in a direction where 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't look like. So I would call it virtue signaling. The 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 notion of virtue signaling is that you signal what side you're on without really changing anything. So it's like celebrities who say that they're on the side of environmentalism, but then they hop in these turbo jets that burn all this fuel and make the problem so much worse. Uh, similarly, I mean that's what this legislation seems to be. We're going to change the words so that we coincidentally happen to get our way on the stuff that we want. But then all of the 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 colonial um, baggage from the past really doesn't go away, um, and and potentially still has the capacity to further alienate uh, the majority church at this point. It, it's hard. I don't know. Once you see things in that light, what what I guess what could we see? maybe this is a good question. What could we see that would undo that bad taste in our mouths that we've got about that now? I don't have an answer to that. Yeah, Lonnie. Well, I think uh, the solution to that problem really is is the uh, the adoption of of the Alaska petition uh, that would call for uh, regionalizing within North America uh, and doing away with jurisdictions at the at the same time, replacing the jurisdictions, the five jurisdictions with these three regional conferences in North America. Uh, however. Uh, the the problem with getting that done easily is that for whatever reason, and I do not know what the reason is yet because I've asked the question and not got an answer, uh, our our Alaska petition, which was duly submitted uh, on time uh, in proper order and and form, did not get printed in the uh, the revise uh, the supplement to the ADCA. I, uh, like I said, I don't know why, uh, but I know that it was it's there, and somehow or other we need to get that petition before the general conference for for consideration because it is is a substitute for it could be moved as a substitute for the petition that's before us as the christmas covenant there are no other petitions that attempt the same thing there are there are others that go in the direction but that that there aren't any that are as comprehensive i think as the one from alaska are we familiar with any other petitions that were duly submitted and 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 properly done but were not printed in the ADCA? I don't know of any others, no. Okay. Um, the The concern that I can imagine having, if I imagine being a can, uh, uh, a delegate, would be this is already a, a very refined piece of legislation that makes amendment at like 22 places to the Constitution. If you're talking about further amending this plan, it seems like that would just increase the capacity it has for getting ruled out of order by the judicial council or made unworkable you're you're confident that that piece of legislation were it to be entertained would not further complicate the the legislation being submitted i believe that's true it wouldn't uh, make it any more complex than it is now mind you you can't make regionalization a simple process right <laughs> it's not going to be simple it's going to be really complex and the other piece that's missing of course from the the Christmas Covenant proposal uh, is the thing we talked about a little bit last week, uh, which was the, uh, the fact that it doesn't include regionalization of the episcopacy, which I think is uh, essential if we're going to regionalize it. We must do that as well, because otherwise regionalization doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I believe we have an episode coming up on that. And then we're also going to ha- need to have an episode on how denominational money disbursements work. Um, One of the things that Mark Holland has been circulating is that like 99.4% of all the 
the funds used internationally come from the U.S. church. And for that reason, that that is his reason for claiming so loud and proud that the U.S. church needs to be somewhat uh, isolated from the influence of African uh, churches. Uh, we need to look at how the money currently works and why, I think. And I, I'm not currently um, uh, uh, prepared to do that, but I'm thinking that as we're looking at all these things are interrelated, right? As you reshuffle the deck and change how power works in this regionalization structure, does that change how bishops are done? Does that change how money flows? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Thumbs up. Um, so the, these are things that we need to continue with our eyes on. Um, I I need to kick it back to Odell, though. Odell, I'm not sure you were done with your uh, questions that you had as you've been reviewing these petitions. Oh, no, no problem at all. Um, I just am... And I'm going to come back to Simon because I, I still want to know how central conferences work in Africa. But I got another question for Lonnie. Um, and, and that is um, with regionalization, um, central conferences, there is a petition. I was trying to look up the number. There is a petition in addition to the one that you submitted to create a central conference in the United States. Um, and I think it's petition 21030. I was trying to find it, but I can't find it right now on my phone. But help me understand this, this concept of creating a central conference in the United States. What would it accomplish in relation to, because I agree with Jeffrey, if we just dealt with the language of central conference, there'd be fewer amendments to the constitution that would be required if we just made it a central conference as opposed to regional conference. But there still would be some amendments. Are, are we trying, this, this seems just like a heavy lift that we're gonna get 22 to 28 different amendments to the constitution passed by a two thirds majority because we want language and semantics as opposed to just the, the shortest uh, distance between two points is a straight line. Can, can we just, if we want this to happen in the United States, what's the best way to get to it with uh, not getting rid of the jurisdictional system because of its, its history and its legacy? Uh, 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 go ahead, Simon. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. My, my thinking, my thinking is this, uh, Odell. Um, there, there is one small thing that's in, that is in there that is um, not being spoken about clearly, which I believe people should just be honest and open about it. If we trace this uh, regionalization, uh, Lonnie did a good job for us. It goes back 2008, you know, 2014, 2012. It, we, it has been the same thing. But one thing that I believe is like the hill to die on for those who want central conference originalization, one of the big elements is the adaptation of the book of discipline. The capability that central conferences have to adapt certain portions of the book of discipline. But the regionalization plan or the Christmas covenant plan is now widening the extent to which adaptability can be done to the book of discipline, to the extent that even the constitution, parts of the constitution, they can be adapted by the, by the 
by the by the central conferences or by the regional conferences, then get a supermajority ratification vote at general conference, something like that. You can correct really? me, uh, uh, veterans like my brother Lonnie there. So this is the thing. And through that adaptation, why it was rejected in 2012 in uh, Tampa is because the, the reading was that Americans also wanted to have the chance to have their own adaptation, which then includes the change of definition of marriage and to be able to put in legislation that relates to human sexuality according to their context and according to their geographic setup. This is where the, the, the catch is. And our brothers from the other side of the world are saying, no, but we can't help you legislate this because we don't believe in this. It is wrong, it's not biblical. And from our orthodox understanding of scripture and, and, and reading of it, this, this cannot be done. This brings the argument that the social principles now has to change to fit this new definition, which then will enable uh, uh, other geographical setups of the denomination to then do what they want to do without others challenging them on why they are doing it, because they can adapt it in their own setup. And we remove all the LGBT language from school discipline, blah, 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 blah. This has been the story. That's my understanding. Lonnie. Uh, that was a really good uh, presentation, Simon. I appreciate that. Odell, I wanted to address one of the questions you raised. Uh, are there other petitions that would call for a central conference of the USA? And, and yes, there there are. The, the Probably the one that uh, would uh, fit that category the, the most would be the one from uh, the connectional table was submitted by Kenneth of Bigham Sai, who was the uh, leader of that body at the time that was submitted. That would be, she actually called it regional conference, but uh, that's petition 20723, which is on ADCA page 323, calls creation of a US regional conference. Uh, So uh, there's actually there's a package of them there uh, that are all together uh, to make one petition. Now, mind you, the, the the problem with supporting that one would be that the connectional table itself has has disavowed that petition that set of petitions now in favor of the one that's called the Christmas Covenant. So that petition is still there. But the CT says they don't support it anymore. Who's the head of the connectional actually, table actually now? It, actually, it's in favor of the new, it's like a hybrid petition. Because the, the Christmas covenant uh, component and the connectional table component has been abridged to form like a hybrid petition, which is, which is what you are now calling regionalization. So we no longer have the Christmas covenant standing on its own. They have now brought it together. That's why... Uh, we had these, uh, 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 you know, subcommittees set up in the standing committee and the connectional table. They then made in a bridge, uh, you know, they brought those together to form that hybrid, uh, kind of hybrid petition now called the regionalization plan. That's yeah. my understanding. Yes. Judy Kennison is the answer to your question, Jeffrey. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Jeffrey, I just got. I have one more question. This is this is yeah, rich. do it. 
yeah. this is this is really, really good listening to Lonnie and Simon explain this. And this is very important to new delegates to general conference. And when we get into these legislative committees, that we're aware of what we're talking about and what's going on in the room. Um, uh, let me ask this, Simon, I want you to explain central conferences. I know that there are three in Africa, uh, but they are in, uh, one of the conferences, I believe the Africa Central Conference actually encompasses 11 different countries. Just explain to me the how the central conferences operate in Africa. And I'm just trying to figure out why that couldn't work. If it works in Africa, why that couldn't work in the United States? Um, uh, th thank you, Odell, for, uh, for that good question. Uh, I, I think one biggest uh, challenge uh, that we face in Central Conferences, I think, is the language barrier. I think uh, Africa Central Conference is the widest range of languages spoken in the Africa Central Conference. Unlike in the Congo Central Conference, it's mainly Swahili and French. So at least they are okay. Then if you go to uh, West Africa, uh, again, I think there are many English-speaking countries. Uh, they use English as their business language. So at least there is some kind of uh, uh, cohesion there. Then Africa Central Conference, I think, is the most complicated in terms of languages because we have Portuguese, we have the Francophone, we have Swahili, we have uh, uh, um, uh, um, you know other 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 indigenous languages uh, that 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 makes it a, a bit difficult to to coordinate. That's why even you see that bishops in Africa they don't itinerate like uh, they do in America. Originally, I was made to understand that it was because of those languages issues, but it's changing now. Many people are now adopting you know, other languages across. Many people can speak both Portuguese and English. Some can speak both uh, or three languages, English and French. So that dynamic is now changing. But that has been our biggest challenge that we elect bishops to serve their, 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 their conference where they are coming from, which is not what you do on the other side of the denomination. Uh, bishops are supposed to be you know, assigned elsewhere not necessarily where they 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 they, they uh, from the conference that are, are raised to them. So those are some of the challenges that we have had. But um, it's more serious, like I said, in Africa Central Conference than uh, the other two. Um, let me ask then. I know Dr. Amy Valdez Barker is not with us, but Lani has worked on her with her before on legislative positions. Let me ask about this legislative petition that combines global regionalization, the West Path, and, and uh, this, I believe, is petition 21029 uh, that Amy authored. Uh, Lonnie, could you explain that to me? I can. Uh, that was uh, shorthand. Uh, we called it the Alaska Omnibus Proposal because it did combine uh, several other proposals that were afloat at the time, one of which was the uh, the so-called protocol, uh, and that one was dropped uh, into this Alaska Omnibus proposal uh, intact without change. So it was the, the protocol as sort of the foundation. And then we added to that the Christmas covenant uh, with some modifications. And the modifications were primarily dealing with the, the, uh, the, the constitutional amendment portion, which was the, a significant part of it. But nevertheless, we examined that and thought there were lots of things that were good in the Christmas covenant, uh, 
that wouldn't require such massive amendments of the Constitution. So we took this modified Christmas covenant, we added it to the protocol, and then we consulted with uh, Westpath, and they uh, supplied a, a representative who worked with us uh, to to include in that omnibus proposal then these provisions from Westpath that uh, made it compatible with uh, what the goals were for continuing the pension and benefit programs uh, into the new church. Uh, and, and mind you, the protocol did call for basically a new church. We came to be known as the post-separation United Methodist Church. So that was our goal there, um, was to get that all into one package. And the, the motivation for it was the, the burning question at that time that was around the in social media uh, and church press and everything was, well, should we adopt the protocol or should we adopt the Christmas covenant? And it was a, a significant debate. And our view was, well, the answer is probably yes. We need to do both, but not exactly in the same way that all of it was coming to us. So that's what we did. We combined those three elements to make this Alaska omnibus proposal. And that petition is still before the conference. You've crafted a lot of legislation, Lonnie, that you're not necessarily personally in favor of. You just have a strong conviction that that every single idea needs to be considered when presented by good faith actors. That piece of legislation, this Alaska omnibus, uh, the proposal that you're talking about, is this one that you personally are in favor of? You know, I was strongly in favor of it at the time that we put it together. I think there's still merit in it, uh, although the the possibility of getting it passed because of the the inclusion of the protocol probably is is uh, limited. Uh, although I I still strongly support the idea uh, that was behind the protocol. The central idea of the protocol was amicable separation. I believe that separation is still going to be uh, a part of our future. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think that uh, it still needs to be done amicably. And uh, so there is merit in the protocol. Odell, have you gotten to scratch all your itches, man, or do you have a few more? Yeah, this is no, this is good. Let me ask then everybody um, what uh, that they're looking for in terms of regionalization legislation, Simon and Monty, what are you looking for at General Conference? What are you, will you be supporting? What are the questions that you have? I personally have problems with any regionalization plan that does not get rid of the jurisdictional conference system. Um, and I, I, I'm gonna have a difficult time supporting based upon my understanding, I understand exactly what Simon was saying. Um, I, I think the Book of Discipline is an American document and that because of the demographic changes in the United States, I see that regionalization is nothing more than an attempt to continue uh, Americans having influence over how the language of the Book of Discipline because they, they don't want the Book of Discipline changed because of Africans, and and I, I just I see I see problems with regionalizations and not allowing Africans, uh, excluding Africans from changing 
uh, language in the Book of Discipline. And I, I just, I have problems with this. But uh, Lonnie, tell me where I'm wrong. And then Simon, you tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah, I'd rather hear from Simon first on this. Uh, 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 th thank you very much. I, I think I, I, I quite agree with you, uh, Odell. I, I have problems with uh, regionalization. As long as the questions that we raised are not answered or resolved, regionalization is going to be a problem. We have already talked about uh, the episcopacy, which I think uh, may be another topic of some other time. Uh, but we are also talking about the jurisdictions. We 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 are we have this feeling that uh, it's a segregation plan in the eyes of uh, some of us as Africans. Uh, uh, we we are saying we want to push away Africans from making key decisions in the eyes of the Americans. That comes to the money issues. You should have read the issue, an article by, I think, don't think it's a secret, I can mention names here, an article by my brother, Reverend Dr. Uh, Mark Holland, uh, about the, the elephant in the room. Uh, he, he talks specifically about money, you know, what the Americans are contributing and what the Africans are not contributing. And then to have Africans have a fair say on what they have not contributed, that is uh, giving them a headache. And uh, we understand that, but let it be discussed fairly that you guys, I think uh, you must have a smaller piece of the cake because you are not doing one, two, three, four. Other than hiding it through regionalization, I don't think it achieves what they say it's trying to achieve. Uh, we have already talked about the colonial uh, connotations, racist connotations. Uh, regionalization doesn't um, achieve that. If anything, it, it breaks the unity that we have had for all this time and maybe end up with a, a, an association of national churches or something like that. Uh, so so I, I still have, I still need people to convince me that um, uh, regionalization achieves what they say it will achieve. And I mentioned last time that as long as we have that seemingly small little thing that we try and cover, you know, by other beautiful things, it will spoil everything. This is what happened in Tampa. After, you know, I'd working for so long, everything counted to know. Um, and this is likely to happen again on regionalization because there are small little things that we are kind of covering inside there and um, it, it won't be healthy. So I, I, I really think that um, amicable separation will be the best way to go. Let's give it a chance. Let's be more dignified this time around. Let's be more gracious. Painful though, but let's allow it and allow people to be where they feel called. I mean, they best called by God to save from. And I think that's the healthiest part of this ordeal. Was to perpetuate this fighting, it's, it don't benefit anyone. It don't benefit anyone. We'll continue to fight until until uh, uh, donkeys grow horns. I don't know whether you, that's the correct way of saying that. Is, uh, that thing. Uh, I, 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 I see problems in the in the regionalization plan. Uh, th thank you, thank you. Uh, over to you, Doc. Yeah. Anything to add, Lonnie? Uh, an extremely important consideration that we haven't spent very much time on in, in this idea of regionalization, especially when you include into it the uh, regionalization of the episcopacy that I support, uh, is, the, is the money question. Uh, and the reality is, as we pointed out, that most of the money to support the general church comes from uh, America. Uh, and uh, there is significant financial support that is currently provided uh, to uh, our 
churches in and central conferences, especially in Africa. Uh, and and I don't think we need to to look at regionalization as a time for the termination of that. Uh, the for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a continuing need uh, on the part of the American church to give, and uh, and more than likely for the church in Africa, by and large, to be uh, a recipient of of this uh, gifting. However, what we don't need to carry into the future is the colonial paternal uh, control of how that money is used after it's given. Uh, it's kind of like you, you look at the the, the American uh, welfare system or uh, system of support. Study after study has shown that the best way to to help people who, who have needs is give them money. And uh, you don't need to have uh, the system uh, saying, well, yeah, we're going to give you the money, but here's how you have to use it. What we need to do is have a system whereby we continue this the support into the future, but we do away with the colonial control of how the money is used. We give the money to the ch churches in Africa, and we say, you know, use this. This is part of what your support base is, and using this money, you can decide what to do with it, including how many bishops can you support with this money? And where are we going to deploy them? How are we going to do that? And let the church in Africa make these kinds of decisions for itself. They don't need our help to, to do that, to decide how many bishops they need and can support. We need to give them the money. Let them do it. Thank you, thank you Loni. So Sorry, Jeff. Thank you, Loni, for, for raising that pertinent issue. Uh, yeah, sadly, that is the language that we continue to, to get here in Africa. Those strings are still there. The strings are attached. This is what we don't want. We, we're talking of the, the same strategy used to campaign for the One Church Plan. is still rearing its head, ugly head in Africa. People, pastors being told that if you don't support regionalization, that will, that will, that will be it. You won't get salaries anymore. You have to support regionalization for one, two, three to continue to happen. So we are saying, guys, if this is attached to this, uh, then then we we don't need regionalization. Yeah. If it has some strings, if it has some some conditions, then then we don't need it. These are some of the languages that we are receiving here, and you need to know this. Because we are being told those things that you know, don't do these things. Because uh, you know, support will be it will go, funding will be gone, and things like that. And uh, if this funding is uh, then. Uh, connected to the Jesus that you are serving, then we'd rather have our Jesus Christ and you can keep the funding. This is what is coming from Africa. I think that's a good strong note to end on. Of course, we could talk a lot longer. The picture is huge and it's a very interesting picture, but we've got one more week to talk about this stuff. Uh, Odell, I just hate that you can't be with us every week. You're such a good presence. Um, friends, this has been a good topic. It's a worthy topic. We want you to, to stick with us as we continue to talk about other worthy topics. As I said earlier in the episode, we are going to talk about connectional money. We're going to talk about bishops, a lot of these intertwining things. Even if they change at the general conference, it's just good and helpful to think about bigger and larger things than our own small lives. 
so that when general conference happens in a couple months, you folks can track along and know what's going on. And and it is my intention to to have ongoing commentary during general conference session that y'all can join here and and kind of digest what's going on with me. So this we're building a foundation, hopefully, of a, a more democratic understanding within the United Methodist Church of what's going on. And and I think the uniform prayer, you know, I can't speak for Amy, but I know for the rest of us is for an amicable uh, departure option afterwards. I, I think everybody's done with fighting except for the really weird ones that probably shouldn't be leading. So um, I, I just want to thank each of you guys, Odell, Simon, Lonnie, for giving your time today. And I want to thank the audience for engaging soberly and and uh, not dispassionately, but just calmly. You're, you're trusting in the system. You're trusting that you can wade your way through this information. And good for you. Uh, you haven't abandoned critical thoughts. So we hope this has been a blessing to you. If you think it has been and you think it might be for others, then we're always going to ask you to share it. We're going to ask we're going to solicit your thoughts and questions. If you have a question you want me to bring to these guys next week, uh, you can send it to plainspokenpod at gmail.com. And you can also, you know, just comment on the video. We we watch this during the week. We're interested in how that it impacts people. And um, I guess that's about it. So we're going to wrap up for today. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.